preached on the crucifixion this morning, and I think we're going to go a little different direction on it and kind of prepare some things for next week, perhaps. But uh, maybe we'll preach on the crucifixion pretty soon here. But uh, I'm thankful that we had a Savior that not only loved us, but was willing to come and pay the horrific price. And when I think of what the alternative to salvation is, that I would have to spend not just moments or a period of time, but I would have had to spend an eternity, the rest of eternity, in a place of torment called hell. And the fact that Christ came to deliver me from that, to save me from that, I'll tell you, I don't know why in the world any Christian would ever not find a reason to rejoice in their salvation. We certainly have an awful lot to be thankful for this this morning. Let's take our Bibles, if you will. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 2. You'll probably hear this read a number of times over the next week or two. And uh, we'll probably also use it, well, I know we'll use it somewhat next week as well. The Christmas account, or what we often refer to as uh, the Christmas account of the birth of Christ. And um, we're going to focus in on just one portion of it this morning. And I hope it will be a help to us. Luke chapter number 2. We're going to read down several verses here. And it came to pass, in verse number 1, It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which... The Lord hath made known unto us. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I want to speak this morning for a little bit on the message from the angels. The message from the angels. If you'll look back with me to verse number 8, we find that as uh, the Jesus was born, that there were some shepherds that were 
that were abiding in the field, and they were keeping watch over their flock by night, the Bible says that while they were doing this, in verse number 9, Lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. Now, we don't know specifically who the angel of the Lord is referring to here. Um, There is the account in, uh, I believe it's Matthew, when the angel of the Lord comes to uh, uh, Elizabeth, and they ask the angel who he is, and he says he was Gabriel. Uh, But it does not specify that necessarily in this account, so we don't know if this is the same angel of the Lord or if there's multiple ones of them. But we certainly know it was an angel that was sent by God. Uh, And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord came upon them. And notice, I want you to notice this phrase, the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. I love that phrase. Uh, uh, I'm reminded when I read this passage, of course, the angels are in the presence of God Himself. In fact, according to Isaiah chapter number (coughs) 6, there are some that have six wings, these cherubims that are flying around the throne of God. And with two uh, wings, they cover their face in humility. And two, they cover their feet in humility. And with two wings, they fly around the throne. And their sole purpose is to cry, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And uh, they are in His presence. I love the idea that when these angels come, they are accompanied with this brightness, this glory. Uh, in the Old Testament, it was referred to as the Shekinah glory of God. When Moses went up on Mount Sinai to get the tablets of, uh, of the commandments from the Lord, and he was several days with the presence of God up there, and uh, he wanted to, to see God, and God said, No man has seen me uh, and lived, and, and Moses kept after him, and finally God said, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock, and he said, I'll cover you with my hand, and as I pass by... He said, I'll let you see the hinder parts of my glory. That's all that Moses could stand in seeing God in his, in his, uh, in his exalted state as God. And uh, so and when Moses comes down off of the mountaintop, the, there was a unique thing that had happened to him. Because he had been in the presence of God, the Bible says that his countenance, his face shone. And it shone so brightly that for days he had to wear a cloth, a veil over his face because people could not even look at him because of the brightness of it. Now, there's very few things that I have to shy away from because of the brightness uh, of it. The sun would be one of them. But I can look at the moon and not not have too difficult of a time. There are some man-made lights that if you get close enough to them, stare straight into them, they might hurt your eyes. But can you imagine just the, the effect of just the hinder parts of God's glory and Moses being in close proximity to it, being so great that that glory just shone so brightly that men couldn't even look upon Moses' countenance. It's the kind of glory of God, this brightness. In verse number 9, the Bible says that this glory that was not the angel's glory, but it was the Lord's glory. It says that the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. I want you to remember that phrase and that statement, and we're going to come back to it at the end of the message, Lord willing, if we get that far today. All right? So we're going to keep that in mind. I want you to keep that thought. All right? Now, the Bible says here in verse number 10 that the angel said unto them. So here's the message that the angel was sent to tell them. The angel says, Fear not, for behold, 
I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Now, I want you to notice three things about the message that the angel is bringing from God. First of all, I want you to know that these tidings are not tidings that are bad tidings, but these are good tidings. Hold your place here for just a moment. Turn with me to the book of John, chapter number 3. John chapter number 3. In John chapter number 3, and we'll begin reading in verse number 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, we read a verse like that and we ought to say, Amen. Boy, that's good news. That's something that stirs my heart, that brings joy to me. There's something good about that. A lot of people in this world today look at the gospel message and they hear Christians oftentimes try to present the gospel message to them. And I don't know if it's because of the darkness of their own hearts or if it's because of the fact that we're not doing a very good job at portraying the good news of the gospel message to them or the combination of the two. <coughs> but for some reason, mankind has in their, uh, in their grasp that the, the idea of the gospel message is something that is binding and is negative and where God is a mean and condemning and cruel God. Can I tell you this? God is none of those things, but He is a just God. And when sin comes into being and it is contrary to His moral law that He's given us in His Word, He must judge it. He must judge it just as much as He must love us because it's part of who He is. But I want you to notice in verse 17... The Bible says, For God sent not His Son into the world to what? Condemn the world. That was not God's purpose of Christ's coming. you got to understand something. By the time Christ came on the scene, man had already sinned. Man had already made his own choice to turn from God. The Bible says that He sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be what? Saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned. What's the next word here? Already. God didn't send Jesus to condemn man. God sent Jesus to redeem us from that condemnation. To give us a way of escape. God came to pay the penalty for our sin. Well, if that doesn't light somebody's fire, I don't know what will. That which I rightfully deserve... Christ took, and He bore it in His own body, that I could go free. That I wouldn't have to pay those consequences. The Bible says, He that believeth not is not, uh, uh, he that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And I'm here to tell you this morning that the news of the gospel is good news. He came to bring good tidings. He came to bring a message to mankind that would bring uh, 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 something out of uh, the darkness and the condemnation of his own heart. 
in Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 8. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8. <clears throat> Paul writes this, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died, what are the next two words? For us. Romans chapter 6, verse number 23. For the wages of sin is what? That's the payment for my sin. Did Jesus choose for me to sin? Did Jesus make me sin? No, that was my own choice. By the way, that was your own choice too. In fact, those of you that are saved here today, that have trusted Christ as your Savior, when you sin now, guess whose choice it still is? It's yours, not His. There's no excuse of saying, well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. You chose to do it, just as I chose to do it. We choose. The wages of that sin is death. And here's the good news. But the gift of God, the gift of God, the gift of God, not a product that He's selling on eBay or Amazon. This is a gift that is given to every man. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And these are the tidings the angels are bringing. The world had never heard them before. Here He is proclaiming them to the shepherds. He says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings. And I want you to notice, secondly, not only were they good tidings, but they were tidings that would bring great joy. They would bring great joy. To be able to go from uh, from dead unto death unto life. To be able to go from being blind to seeing again. To be able to go from darkness into light should bring great joy to the heart of those who have been redeemed. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, I believe it is the Bible says, or I'm sorry, the book of Psalms, I believe it is, it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. There ought to be a song in our hearts. There ought to be a melody in our, in our hearts unto the Lord. There ought to be praise sung unto Him. In Psalm 100, he says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him, and bless His name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. Let me tell you something. The news that the angel brought that night was not only good news, but it was news of great joy for Christians to walk around and to have a frown on their face and to be discouraged and down in the dumps all the time, I think is a poor testimony of what God has done in our hearts. The transforming work. The fact that we were lost and now we're found. We were on our way to hell and now we're on our way to heaven. That's joyous news. Oh, if we could ever get the mindset of what God has done for us in His fullness. The joy that it would bring. Such that it would be joy that would be considered unspeakable and full of glory. I want you to notice also in Luke chapter 2, verse number 10. 
The Bible says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And I want you to notice thirdly, is for who? All people. All people. I'm so glad God didn't pick some people to be saved and some people not to. Because I'm going to tell you right now, every time I've ever tried to have a 50-50 chance on anything, I've always gotten the short end of the stick. I, I, I consider myself to be an average fisherman. I, I like to fish. I enjoy fishing. I just don't ever catch any. My brother, who had probably never touched a fishing pole in his life, went with me fishing one time. I used to fish two or three times a week and never really caught much. Took my brother out to go snook fishing one time. And I, he said, hey, Greg, what kind of bait do I use? And I said, use this bait. He said, what kind of hook do I use? I said, use this one. Where do you want me to cast it? Cast it over there. We go over there, and I'm standing there for 45 minutes, casting and reeling, casting and reeling, casting and reeling. He throws his rod in the second cast, pulls up a nice snook. I always get the short end of the stick. Aren't you glad that God did not pick some of us to be saved and some of us not to be saved? I'm thankful that the good news of the gospel message is unto all people. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care how much money or lack thereof you have in your bank account. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. By the way, there's only two choices there. I don't care if you're a child or an adult. I don't care if you're a grandma and grandpa or a mom or a dad. It's for every one of us. The Bible says that He came to seek. Aren't you glad of that? And to save that which was lost. You know, there's not a person that's ever been born in this world that has not had at least some draw in the heart of conscience to go towards the things of God. I don't care how pagan a tribe has been, how dark their hearts have been. It is innate in the nature of man to seek for God. The book of Romans teaches us that because of this, they're without excuse that reject God. These tidings that the angel brought, they were good tidings. They were of great joy. And they were unto all people. By the way, you and I have been entrusted with the same message that the angel brought. God placed that truth into our hands. He entrusted it with us. And then He tells us, now I want you to take that. And I want you to go into all the world and preach the what? gospel to every creature. I think doctrine is important. We ought to teach and we ought to preach doctrine. But nothing more important in the hearts of men than the gospel message. All the doctrine in the world will not save a man if he does not trust in the fact that Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a sinless life. He was crucified on the cross in a substitute for your sins. He was buried and three days later He rose from the tomb and He's promised us that if we will trust His payment for our sin, that He will give us forgiveness and a home in heaven for all of eternity. And it's that simple. And I'll tell you this, the greatest message ever brought was the message the angel brought that night to the shepherds. Let's see what the message was, shall we? Verse number 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David 
a Savior. You say, what is the gospel message? Well, it's the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can roll all of that up in one title of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the title Savior. He came to save men and He did it through His death, His burial, and His resurrection. Now I want you to notice a couple of things here and we'll be done. Shepherds didn't know what to do about this. They're, they're amazed. The angel had to tell them, listen, fear not. I don't know about you, but sometimes when we read Scripture, we've read it before. We've heard this story a hundred times. Put yourself in the shepherd's place for a minute. What if you were sitting out there on that dark, quiet night? The sheep are out there and maybe making a little bit of noise, and you're sitting there around the fire. And all of a sudden, this light lights up the entire sky and shines all around you. And you look up and there's this angelic being hanging up there in the air. And he says, fear not. I'm going to say, I'll try. But I'm not sure I'm not going to fear a little bit. I've never seen anything like this. It's pretty amazing. These these disciples are are the I'm sorry these shepherds are 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 scared I believe I personally I think they were scared but he says this in verse number eleven for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord now he's going to tell them in verse twelve how they can find the babe we'll talk a little bit more about that next week but I want you to notice verse thirteen and what's the next word suddenly. As soon as the angel finished his proclamation, as soon as he finished saying what he was going to say, suddenly there was with the angel a what? Multitude. Now, I don't know if you know how much a multitude is, but in the Hebrew it means a multitude. It's a whole lot. In the Greek, guess what it means? Multitude. In the English, guess what it means? Multitude. That means a lot. There's a whole bunch of them here. A multitude of the heavenly host. What are they doing? Praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now I want you to follow me with this for a minute. Here are the angels. The angels have been in heaven for at least several thousand years by this point. They were there, I believe, before man was created. They've been there for several thousand years in the presence of God. Other than the ones that followed Lucifer, the ones that are mentioned in this chapter did not follow Him, obviously, and were still loyal to God. As far as we know, those angels had never sinned. They had never broken fellowship with God. They had never lost the residency of heaven. And they're sitting there for thousands of years. And when the Lord Jesus Christ was born on the cross, they are excited and cannot wait to share the news to mankind of what Jesus was going to be. And when the angel got done with the message, the Bible says suddenly there was with that angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. And here's what they were doing. They were praising God. By the way, 
There's nothing wrong with saying the words praise and worship. And I wish God's people would get back to real praise and real worship. It's been so misconstrued in the world we live in today that we're afraid of them sometimes. But it's what the angels did here. They praised Him. They praised Him and said, Glory to God in the highest. There was a jubilance there. There was an excitement in the air. And this, this glory of the Lord that was shining all around them. And the Bible says, Glory to God in the highest on earth. Peace, goodwill to, uh, toward men. And I, I want to say this. The angels gained nothing from the birth of Christ. They gained nothing. And they were so excited to bring these good tidings of great joy to all people. You and I had everything to gain. And yet we falter in our tongues. We do not praise as we should. We do not give glory to God as we should. We certainly do not have the same excitement, the same fervor, the same zeal as these angels had to bring the message of a Savior to the world. Why is it that those who had nothing to gain were more excited oftentimes than many Christians who had everything to gain? Can I charge you with something this afternoon? Could we determine in our hearts that we will never let an angel be more excited about the news of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ than you and I are. That we will never allow an angel to be more faithful, more diligent, more fervent in sharing to the world the news of a Savior than you and I are. The message of the angel It was good news. It was news of great joy. And it was unto all people. Now let's go back to verse 9 for a minute. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. This angel who had been in the presence of God had the glory of God shining off of him. I understand that in the day we live, there's not a physical light that you see shining and shimmering out from the countenance of a man. But you can sure tell by his testimony. You can sure tell by his attitude. You can sure tell by his actions if he has been walking in the presence of God or whether he has not. And when this message came, it was important that for the message to come forth with the effectiveness and the power that it needed, that the recipients of that message be enshrouded 
with the glory of God. We have the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of us. And when we go to share the gospel message, I fear too often we try to do it in our own power, in our own strength. Where are the days of God's people longing and desiring to walk in such close communion and fellowship with God that the very presence of the Holy Spirit of God exuded from them in such a way that when they shared the message of the gospel, people were touched and pricked in their hearts. Not because of the great oratory skill or because of the great delivery of the message, but because the presence of God was upon us. The power of God shone round about us. These men who had been given this wonderful message. I believe there's one other lesson to be learned from this today. I said earlier in the message that God has entrusted you and I with the gospel. Don't ask me why He did, because I don't know the mind of God. I do know this. I know that God could have used anything else that He created to accomplish His work. And He does use some things even yet. The Psalms say the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth His handiwork. There are things of creation that express to mankind that there is a God. But specifically, the gospel message has been put into your hands and into my hands. He's told us to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. We who have been given the blessed news, this good tiding of great joy that shall be to all people, who have put our faith and our trust in it, I want you to notice in verse number 16, the Bible says about these shepherds who had received that message. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Their faith became sight. They understood it. The Bible says this in verse 17, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Can I tell you this? That those of us who have received the message of the gospel, the good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, should follow the example of the shepherds, who when we had seen it made known abroad the saying which was told us concerning the child. Would it be that everywhere we go we are a walking billboard for the gospel message? We're proclaiming it with our lips. We're living by example through our lives. And we are walking with God's presence upon us. May we determine in our hearts that those of us who had everything to gain by the birth of the Savior will never allow those who had nothing to gain to be more joyful, to be more dedicated to propagating and preaching and declaring the wonderful message of the gospel. We'll never allow them to ever do it better than we will. That we'll never have them be more excited about the opportunity 
then we are excited about the opportunity. Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed. Father, I pray that you would bless the message this morning. It's been a simple message. Nothing very